Hello, and good morrow. My name is Reginald, and this is the Mark 4-9 Podcast. Our title this evening is called Spiritual Gifts and the Nine Fruits of the Spirit to Live By. Let's get started, shall we? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7-11, through 11, we read, A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another Spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, in regards to wise advice, my biblical perspective would have to come from the book of Job, chapters 32 through 37, in regards to Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzzite, of the family of Ram who became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. He was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute Job and yet had condemned him. In reference to special knowledge, it states in Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. James 1.5 states, If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Example, look at Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 9-14, through 14, where he asked for an understanding heart, so that he could govern God's people, and know the difference between right and wrong. And the Lord, being pleased with what Solomon had asked for, granted him wisdom plus more. In talking about healing... I want to mention four examples, but before I begin, I feel I should add a disclaimer. Please note that it is only God the Creator who saves us, not a pious act or even an occult brotherhood like Mary Baker Eddy's so-called religion. Now don't contradict what I am saying, it's true, our faith should solely rely on Christ alone, and if medicine is needed for said ailment, one should take within reason and not abuse or worship. Just look at Timothy. Even he drank a little wine for his stomach. And to know and also research what you are putting into your body is key. Now, I personally prefer the natural route with herbs and vitamins instead of the mass production of man-made over-the-counter medications that contain risk factors of making you worse or even damaging your health system, i.e. your body, to an unknown deficient degree, but to each his own. Now, in continuation, the first example of healing I want to give is from Exodus, chapter 15, verse 26. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Secondly, There is a story of Jesus in all three Gospels. 
Matthew chapter 9, verses 2 through 8, Mark chapter 2, verses 3 through 12, and Luke chapter 5, verses 18 through 26, where four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat, right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. My third example is found in the book of James, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, where it reads, Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Lastly, I am also reminded of the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5 where the prophet Elisha told Naaman to bathe in the Jordan River seven times to be healed of leprosy. And as Naaman did what the prophet of the Lord had told him, he was miraculously cured of leprosy. For truly, it is our faith in Yahweh, the true living God, who makes us well. For with God, nothing is impossible. Now, in regards to great faith, my reference comes from Hebrews 11, which I love how the writer of Hebrews defines faith in the first verse stating, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now the Bible is filled with amazing stories of great faith. Maybe you might even have some of your own. For in conjunction, Christ the Son of the Most High stated in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. Now, in regards to prophecy, unknown languages, and the interpretation thereof, I would like to link them all to the writings of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1-25, through 25, where we read, Pursue the love of agape, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying, so that the whole church will be strengthened. Dear brothers and sisters, if I should come to you speaking in an unknown language, how would that help you? 
but if I bring you a revelation or some special knowledge or prophecy or teaching, that will be helpful. Even lifeless instruments like the flute or the harp must play the notes clearly or no one will recognize the melody. And if the bugler doesn't sound a clear call, how will the soldiers know they are being called to battle? It's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking into empty space. There are many different languages in the world, and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. And the same is true for you. Since you are so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what it has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Well then, what should I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the Spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you are saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, do not be childish in your understanding of these things. Be innocent as babies when it comes to evil, but be mature in understanding matters of this kind. It is written in the scriptures, I will speak to my own people through strange languages, through the lips of foreigners, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of believers, not unbelievers. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they will be convicted of sin and judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed, and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring, God is truly here among you. Now, for the foretelling of prophecy, according to the Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecy by J. Barton Payne, it states that 26.8% of the Bible is prophecy, from both major and minor prophets of the Lord. There are 1,239 prophecies in the Old Testament and 578 prophecies in the New Testament, for a total of 1,817 prophecies combined. These verses in the Bible include many prophecies, that have yet to be fulfilled. And in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verse 17, it states, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Now, I also might have to add that the last days started after the crucifixion slash resurrection of Jesus Christ, which was around 2,000 years ago. So when you hear that the day of the Lord is coming soon, do not neglect this warning. We all must be prepared in doing what is right in the sight of the Almighty God. Now don't get me wrong, we all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, but we must be like King David, who although sinned, was a man after God's own heart, 
seeking out the Lord for forgiveness and repentance. In regards to unknown languages, two examples come into play. Glossolalia, speaking in tongues, as stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, and xenolalia, which is the paranormal phenomenon in which a person is able to speak or write a language that was not acquired by natural means, referenced in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. Now, the interpretation of unknown languages and miracles should be followed by discernment, as we should pray for understanding to the Lord who grants these gifts, as mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Miracles and Discernment A miracle is an event not explicable by natural or scientific laws. C.S. Lewis defined a miracle to mean an interference with nature by supernatural power. Now, don't misinterpret what I am saying. Yeshua, the Lord of Heaven's armies, can absolutely grant or do whatever miracle the High King pleases. In fact, we read that Christ, during His time on earth, as the Son of Man, did outstanding miracles that swept through the countryside. And maybe even you, yourself, are seeking a miracle today. And again, with God, all things are possible. However, I might have to interject and say, God, Yahweh, performed the greatest of all miracles by incarnating Himself into the Son of Man, Yeshua, who was born of a virgin by way of his Holy Spirit. Now Christ lived a sinless life, for not only was he 100% man, he was also 100% God. For Christ was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, as the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and at the cost of his stripes we are healed. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 For in Matthew chapter 12 verse 38 through 39 it states, one day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the depths of the earth. Now, our Lord Yeshua, who was once dead, is now alive, and He sits in highest authority at God's right hand. God has nothing to prove to us. We, as mere humans, on the other hand, have everything to prove to God, by giving our heart, mind, and soul out of love back to the Father, for He first loved us, as stated in 1 John 4:19-21, as well as John 3:16-21. The Gospel message is the greatest of all miracles because it gives us the promise of eternal life. For Galatians chapter 1 verse 8 reads, Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news other than the one we preach to you. For it is coming soon that the anti-trinity of the devil, which consists of the Luciferic dragon, also known as the anti-god, Satan, the beast, also known as the antichrist, and the anti-spirit, otherwise known as the false prophet. Now Satan, the antichrist, and the false prophet will use their satanic power to perform miracles of grandeur, that even the false prophet will have the ability to rain fire from heaven. Where all who are not of Christ will be deceived, and to those people who decide to follow the beast, i.e. Satan's incarnation of himself, who comes as an angel of light to lie, steal, kill, and destroy, 
will be given a mark on the right hand or forehead. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. His number is 666. Revelation 13. Now, in conclusion, I would like to end in reading Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the Law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Thank you for your time in joining me, and may we meet him soon, Christ the True King.